On this week's episode of The Nailed It Wall, we are honored to have our former vice principal, the one, the only, Shelly Schubert. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nailed It Wall. I'm Mr. Lane, the STEM guy. And I'm Mrs. Schofield. And I'm Shelly Schubert. It is episode 47. It's a shame on us that we've waited 47 episodes to have our former amazing AP, Mrs. Schubert, on here to join us on the Nailed It She's Wall. She's been a little busy. She was, she was pretty busy this year, so we're excited. <laughs> Not that you're less busy now. <laughs> so, so tell us, what is your big announcement? What, what new role have you moved into? Well, on um, July 1st, I started as the new principal of the Deer Valley on Flex program. Now, how did this come about? Was it something that you just kind of fell into your lap or is it something that you are, you're really ready to embrace? Um, well, I've been wanting to move up to be a principal for a while, but um, opportunities just didn't align for me. And this summer, the district posted a new position for this Deer Valley Online Learning Program principal. And at first, you know, I looked at the job posting and I, I thought, no way, that's crazy. Um, but I got a few phone calls and a few people said, I think you should think about this. I think you should apply. So um, after some deliberation, I took the leap and applied for it. Um, and when you become an administrator, you have to go through several rounds of interviews. So I went through a couple of rounds of interviews and got the job, amazingly. And um, I'm so proud to be serving the district in this way. It's definitely not something that I dreamed about or really thought about, but um, there's a need right now and I'm happy to kind of step into those shoes and fulfill a need for our district at this time. And such an innovative idea. This is a K-12 online school. You're, you're heading up kinders all the way to senior year in high school. Kudos to you. Yep. Uh, this is a, a huge thing for our district, especially this time for the current state, what Arizona is going through. So we are happy that you are taking the reins. You're going to lead this online charge. This is here to stay. But as we start every episode, we want to start off with our nailed it this week. Schofield, how do you nail it this week? Well, it was a pretty uh, epic week, I, I'd say. We got our new pod art out, which was a big deal, right? You're pumped. Yeah, you you really hated pumped. that picture. I've, yeah, I've been not a fan of the old artwork for a while, but uh, we got that up, so that's pretty exciting. But I had this amazingly awesome fail. Um, I said that I wanted to treat you and your kids to lunch and a Slurpee, and we stopped and got, I have to say, I haven't been in to get a Slurpee for a long time, so I'm a little out of practice as it is, and I went in and got the Slurpee in a coffee cup because those are the cups that were right next to the machine and it said must use these cups so i did and i just thought well slurpees are different now i guess they go in a coffee cup so i got that and i'm checking out and the lady's like you used the wrong cup and anyways a big debacle about the cup right so i walked that out and uh lane says 
<laughs> I'm trying to phrase it and you know, what, what are you thinking? Like, how are the kids going to drink from that? So then I thought, okay, maybe I should go back in, but the lady did not want to give me a new cup. I just want to say, she didn't want to give me a Slurpee cup. I had made my commitment to the coffee cup and that's what I was supposed to be taking. So I went back in and said, this is not going to work. I, I need the proper cup. Get that, grab a couple lids, go back out. I'm noticing the lids, they're not quite right, but I just figure whatever. We'll figure it out when we get out there. And I think when I get out there, it, the lid I brought was too, too big, too big, <laughs> way overlapping the cup. So then I go back in for a third time and it was probably 110 degrees, 112 degrees that day. It was quite hot. So, and you know, you mask up every time, you know, it's so go back in and I'm looking and the cup, the lids just do not work for the cups. Like, but I'm thinking this has got to be me. People are buying Slurpees all the time. These people are just staring at me like I'm some wackadoodle. So anyhow, I finally called the lady over and said, I'm going to need you to see what I'm seeing and explain to me how this is supposed to work. Well, come to find out they had run out of the lids that actually fit the cups. And so it was not just me. And so then we, I moved on to yet a third different kind of Slurpee cup and all was well in the land. But I will have to tell you, the face, when I came out with the wrong things, it was, um, I, it was a pretty big failed, but it, in my defense now, it was not really my fault only. So anyway, it was a, it was a comical moment. It all turned out well and the kids got their Slurpees and, and we lived to tell the tale. It is hot out there though lately, yeah. man. That was a brutally hot day. Record high yesterday, yeah. 116. Yeah. Slurpee debacle. Yeah. All right, Schubert, how'd you nail it this week? Um, I think my biggest nailed it is that um, I coordinated and we hosted a blood drive for the American Red Cross on Thursday. And, um, you know, in this pandemic world that we're living in, a lot of people have canceled hosting a blood drive. So there's a real need for blood. And so about four or five months ago when this all first started, I contacted the American Red Cross because I, I used to coordinate blood drives when I worked at Starbucks hmm. 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, at the beginning, everybody's like, you got to donate blood, you've got to donate blood. And the Cardinals held a big blood drive at the, at the big State Farm Stadium. And I thought, you know, we have all these empty buildings that the kids aren't coming to right now. What a great opportunity for us to be a leader and share our buildings with the community so that we can donate blood for that for the American Red Cross. Well, it took about six or eight weeks to, to plan it and lots of phone calls and lots of coordinating and organizing and making sure that everybody's following CDC guidelines and all that stuff. But to make a long story short, we had an amazingly successful blood drive. Um, we were we were going to only have about 45 donors um, come, but at the last minute, because of all the cancellations, you know, because our state is in such a, a such a hot spot for COVID, um, they asked if we could double the size. So we did. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> we ended up um, we had 71 donors come, and we had 67 units of blood collected. Which, if you know, each unit can help three to five people, depending on how they use the blood. So wow. impacted a lot of people, which I'm very proud of. And the blood drive was really awesome and wonderful. 
And that's my biggest nailed it for this week. Nailed it. That is a big. I love seeing your pictures on Twitter and, you know, all of your promoting this kind of leading up to this, such an amazing idea and concept, especially in these times. Have you donated blood before, Shelly? Are you a blood donor? Yes. I I have to say it's been a couple of years since I've done it, but um, yeah, I've been a blood donor for a long time. And, and we learned that she worked at Starbucks. You I know. know. Cheers to yeah, you. Cheers you know, to you. <laughs> she, she's a barista. You know, like Starbucks. Uh, we need a sponsor. Right there. Yeah, there you go. Definitely. Shout out to Mrs. Schubert, mm-hmm. the former barista. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Tough to follow up that nailed it there, I'll but I, I I feel that when I watch a YouTube video, I can literally do anything I put my mind to just because I see it on a YouTube video. Now, yesterday we had a rec- record high of 116 degrees. The STEM mobile, my minivan, is blowing hot air out of one of the vents. It is blazing. It's like heat. Uh, One side's cool, one side's hot. And so I figured out what the part is. It's What what was the part called? Well, we figured that out later. But it's the door blend actuator. Yes. So, you know. So. You know, everyone knows that part. I figured this out. It was a flux capacitor. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And I was like, all right, you know, I see a YouTube video. There's like three of these. You can pop these things in uh, as opposed to paying thousands of dollars, taking it to the dealership. This thing's not very easy to find. No. Literally, I ripped my whole dashboard apart. It looked like uh, I was at a chop shop. Someone like was selling my car for parts. I took it all apart. And I just kept moving forward, taking more parts out, the radio out, taking the the you name it, like the whole thing was just chopped up there. And I finally had to wave the white flag and realize that I'm not going to be able to pull this job off and I have to leave this to the professionals. So it, it hurt me, but I, I learned so much through the process and it's a miracle. I put the car, we, we put the car back together. Say, yeah. But the thing is, is that I still believe that if we had a YouTube video that taught us specifically how to do that, I still think we would have been able to do it. There is no YouTube video that shows specifically how to do this uh, at all. And we have scoured YouTube. So, you know, I still think that that is uh, the case. So we, if somebody out there, if you know how to replace this part, I think you need to put together a video to teach, you know, tutorial because we needed it. We could make a great video of how not to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. All right, Schubert. (laughs) So tell us about your summer. What has the summer of administrator been like? Um, it's been, it's been wonderful. I mean, switching jobs in the middle of the summer is difficult because I don't want to leave anything, you know, any loose ends at Sierra Verde because that has been my home for three years. And I, um, want to make sure that the next person is set up for success. So just working on all that, making sure that I've got everything ready to kind of hand off to that person. And then, um, I had about five days off. Wow. (laughs) This opportunity landed in my lap. And ever since then, my brain has been consumed by it, honestly. So um, it wasn't much of a summer, but um, it's definitely a summer to remember for sure. Yeah, I would say that's the case. Now, what are some of the things that you're taking away from your three years at Sierra Verde as you move into this, this next, this next role? Hmm. Um, I think that I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by just amazing educators, um, the best in the state. 
And Sierra Verde is just a very kind and welcoming and loving family of, of people. And, you know, parents have been amazing to me. I mean, it, nothing's ever perfect. And there have been lots of difficult things that we've gone through. But everything, you know, some of the changes that I made when I was there, everything was met with a positive attitude. And I can't say more about how much respect and love and gratitude I have for the community at Sierra Verde. It's just been absolutely the most wonderful experience. And it was very difficult to leave. Um, but I know it's always going to be a home for me. Totally. And I think the biggest thing of your legacy is the, the parent pickup drop-off. I mean, <laughs> talk, about, talk about leaving a legacy, That's you know? Right. Talk about shaking things up, just shutting down the Porter Gate and, and revolutionizing the, uh, the entire drop-off. I yeah. love it. Oh, my gosh. I love, I'm a huge fan of uh, the, that whole process. And so I agree. That's a huge legacy. And for our listeners, you'll, you'll <laughs> never understand you'll never understand what goes into this there. It's true. That's true. The behind the scenes. So, so when you, can you kind of walk us back, um, like how you came into education? Like what's your story? Well, um, she was a barista. Yes, <laughs> I was. Which so, is a natural stepping stone. Um, that's a pretty deep question, Christy. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, I came into education because uh, that was my safe place as a kid. And I had amazing teachers all throughout grade school. And um, I really went to school to kind of get away from my home life. Mostly. So um, I ended up moving to Arizona in the, in the late 80s. And my first school was basically like all these kids that were transplanted from around the nation because Arizona is like a true melting pot of people from all across different states. And it, it is these, you know, now today too, there's so many people moving here still. But um, when I moved to Arizona, actually my high school teachers were unbelievable and I had a very positive experience. Um, and I met, some amazing friends that I'm still friends with today. So I just, I think that school provides kids and families with so much and it's such an integral part of the community that when I went to college, I didn't, didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be, but I knew that I, I wanted to do something to impact communities. And um, I went to NAU and NAU is a huge teacher's college and I just kind of felt this, always this ring in my ear, like, you should be a teacher, you should be a teacher. And growing up, I was always the teacher when we played school mm -hmm. in Smith, Michigan. So um, it was just kind of a natural fit. And I was really fortunate to have um, an amazing four years at NAU where I um, it was kind of like the iTeach program that we've hosted this mm -hmm. last year. I got to spend my last senior year at NAU in the school district in Sedona. And what better place to learn to be a teacher than, than there was the beauty and yeah. the community there is amazing as well. So um, just, just really wanting to impact children and make a difference like all of the educators did for me that I had K through 12 and even in higher ed. So that was really my goal and it's been an amazing ride so far. 
and I'm looking forward to, you know, this, this adventure this year too. So let me just ask you, we've had, so some of the people that have joined us, they kind of gave a shout out to a teacher that was really super impactful. Is there anyone that stands out in your long list of like really amazing educators? That is really hard to pick just one, but um, my kindergarten teacher looped up to first grade with me and her name was Mrs. Joy Hawson. And she she was amazing because back then in the, in the 70s, she did home visits. And so I remember before school started, she came to our house and she was like a legend. And in my eyes, she was, you know, this amazing kinder first teacher that just, I um, held her up on a pedestal. She was just awesome and wonderful to me. And um, every year she took each student in her classroom to McDonald's for lunch. Wow. Yeah. And back then that was like the McDonald's that we went to had like this huge tree in the center of it. And the kids all sat around these little stools and Ronald McDonald used to actually come out every once in a while. That scares me. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget going to her, going with her one-on-one -on -one and eating lunch with her at McDonald's. Wow. And, I'm almost 50 years old and I was five when that happened. So that's, that's a huge memory for me. And it was so positive. We forget those moments, like as teachers, like just those little things that maybe are just, you know, something that you just have always done. You put together these little moments and then years later that like, that's something that you took away. It's huge. And that, that school was just an amazing place too. We had an amazing principal and he was my principal kindergarten through fifth grade. And he was, phenomenal too. He was always around, always out on the playground. He used to pull our teeth when they were loose. <laughs> Mr. Galetti, get on that. His name was Mr. Dodson and he was an amazing principal too. So I just had a great experience. Amazing stories. And you think about as we move into not knowing when school is going to open, your school is going to be online. You've been a leader at the forefront of the social emotional yeah uh learning can you kind of talk about your role in terms and like your 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 beliefs in social emotional just sharing that story how impactful that is um i think it's because of my experiences that 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 is so important to me and you know you can't teach much content if you've got kids that are in crisis or are having a hard time and i think that our world right now puts so much pressure on our students that we have to kind of give them some skills and tools to be able to manage those types of feelings. Um, and, and really, you don't learn how to manage yourself unless you have a toolbox of things. Um, so I just feel like we have to give kids those and we have to teach those skills to them because they're not necessarily getting it at home as much as they need you know, because things are different than when you and I were kids. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have all those pressures put on us. And um, just being able to focus in the classroom and making sure that kids can, can calm themselves, can take deep breaths, and then that they've got someone to talk to at school too, I think is really important. So there's a lot of levels to the social emotional um, program or philosophy, but um, I think all of it is really important. It doesn't matter if they're five years old in kindergarten or a senior in high school, they all need some, some skills and especially someone to connect with that school. 
Yeah. Especially right now in these times, it's going to be mm-hmm. the most important thing as we kind of transition back into the school year and, you know, such a push was made for it last year. And these are things that kids are missing, you know, in the daily, like, you know, seeing their friends, being isolated, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hard time. And, you know, people that understand it and those teachers that make the connections, administrators, those are going to be the ones that, you know, these kids are going to thrive and look back and remember on those connections and how much it meant to them. Yeah. yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just, it's interesting because of what you're about to embark on, you know, and, and teachers are going to have to be so intentional when they're teaching in online school. And one thing that I think is really cool about the school that you are um, heading the, the year round one, you know, the one that's the, the one that's here to stay when you know that they're committing for a whole year, it kind of gives you that opportunity to kind of build on that. You know, this year may be a little bit of a challenge if, if it's a flex slash online, which I know poses a whole different set of challenges. How do you make them feel connected? And then they're going to go into a classroom and then they're going to need to connect there too. But then for you guys online, when you're not ever going to get that opportunity to meet one-on-one, finding those ways, not just for student engagement, but student engagement in an effort to make relationships and finding those ways. And, you know, there's, there, I'm sure there's people all over the world that have been doing this remotely. And I think it's going to be so imperative that we are seeking those models out to learn from them because that is a whole different challenge, you know, especially because you're doing K all the way to 12th grade. And that's a slew of different needs um, to meet socially and emotionally, you know? Absolutely. And I've never, you know, high school is a whole new world for me. So I have a whole lot to learn, but luckily we have amazing high schools in our district with amazing teachers and administrators. And I've already felt so much support and, um, you know, we'll just figure it out. I'm going to figure it out and learn so much this year, but um, I don't think it matters what, like I said before, what age they are, they still have to connect with an adult and with their classmates, whether they're online or in person. So we're going to be super intentional about making sure that we're connecting one-on-one with kids frequently um, and also having kids meet, you know, in small groups and make sure that they're collaborating using Zoom rooms and breakout rooms and all that stuff. So we're, we're kind of getting all that ready and thinking about that, but I think we're going to do an amazing job at it. So can we put in the budget happy meals for all the teachers and students, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe bring that back, you know, like uh, a connection. Just not from McDonald, please. That's all I ask. <laughs> you'll, you'll always have a friend wearing big red shoes. I don't do clients. <laughs> but um, do you feel like even though you, your background in education is not specifically high school do you feel like it's been an advantage for you coming into this role at the time that your kids are that age I definitely have a pulse on their perspective I mean my own own children are very um, hurt and upset right now and they've been struggling during this time Um, neither one of them thought at the beginning that this was real they thought it was stupid Mm-hmm. Schofield as well. Okay, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think that they kind of had to grieve losing their school year. Yeah. 
my daughter was a senior, so she missed out on a lot of things. She didn't get to go to prom. And that was something, of course, you know, you look forward to for a very long time. Yeah. My son will be a senior, so he is my total extrovert, and he loves to be with his teachers in the classroom. He's one of those kids that is constantly, you know, raising his hand and participating, and that that he really misses that. He misses his teachers, and he misses his friends, and the whole social aspect. I don't know if he misses the academics so much, but he definitely misses the social part of school, which... I think is really important because that is what makes you the adult, you know, that you'll become someday. So, well, and I think that's the thing is at any grade, but you know, that's how I felt about my eighth graders too, is eighth grade is not just those four subjects and their STEM or their electives. It's, it's the socialization. It's all the community. It's the traditions of it. And that, you know, obviously extends into high school as well. There's so many things unique. You know, this was the first year that Ella got to have a parking spot. So that's a big thing, right? You know, to a junior, that's a big deal. I paid for that thing and that was expensive. And now I'm going to get to use it. However, it's all of those things that to an adult, when you're looking at a pandemic and all of the things that are on people's radar, it seems so unimportant. But I think as teachers that we have to remember, those little things are the world to kids. Those are their big things. And so we have to be sensitive of that and understand that that is a big deal. All those little nuances of the day and the socialization for your son, just being able to raise his hand and having that interaction in his class and the, you know, the communication with his peers, that is a loss. And, and we have to take that seriously, just like an adult dealing with something really big scale financially or a job loss or any of that, that's that same level for them, you know, of that. So now what have some of your colleagues and friends said to you as you're embarking on this audacious K-12 <laughs> online school? Um, well, everybody's been super um, positive and very um, supportive. I haven't had um, anybody like, you know, be critical yet, but that is something that I, you know, as part of the job of leading a, a new endeavor like this is, is criticism, but um, I, I try to handle everything and approach everything with a positive attitude. And if there's a problem, I want to know about it right away. Or if there's an issue, whether it be, you know, a process thing, because we are going to have a lot of movement with kids going back and forth to on campus, then online and online to on campus. So um, if we just keep kids at the center of those decisions, I think that everything else will work out. Because what I didn't really think about is this, we have a lot of old software systems that we use. And I don't want to say they're old, really, they're, they're new, but they're limited in what they can do. So I guess I didn't realize how cumbersome it would be to move a kid on power schools from a campus to an online model. It just doesn't work smoothly or easily. So just making sure that we know where our kids are, who they're assigned to if they're coming online or going back to campus. So that in itself is going to pose a lot of issues, I'm sure. But like I said, you know, we only, we only can deal with things one at a time and, and try to do the best that we can. And that's, that's the goal, making sure our kids are 
well cared for and transitioning well from both models. So. Well, like, you know, positive attitude, I think is going to be so key because this is something that's never been done, you know, mm -hmm. for us, for us as a district. And it's completely from scratch. And the cool thing about that is you can build it and have fingerprints all in there and you're going to get to help design it, you know, as you go. But there's not a specific roadmap, which is a, a scary feeling, but it's such an opportunity. So if you look at it with a positive attitude and know there's going to be a million kinks, mm -hmm. just in a regular school year, you know, when there's nothing different that you're having to navigate, there's already those things. So just kind of knowing that's ahead, but see the excitement and the, um, the opportunities there, I think is a great way to kind of have that mindset. Now, what do you yeah. see as... What do you see as the biggest challenge open in this K-12 online school? Well, um, we've had a lot of parents ask questions about how it's going to happen. And, um, you know, we start school in, I think it's about two and a half, three weeks. Rob knows. Yeah. Coming quick. Yeah. Coming yeah. quick. Three weeks Coming from quick. today. Yeah. Three weeks from today. Because so, um, <laughs> we open, you know, we're one of the states that opens early. And... Um, we're still building the ship. So some of the questions have been kind of hard to answer because uh, we don't know yet and we haven't built the process yet, but it will be built by the time our students start on August 3rd. So right now, you know, parents are taking surveys and we're getting information from them about how they want to start school this year. And I think that that is the most important piece is that parents have been given a choice. You know, they can come back fully on campus. They can choose to start online permanently for the year, or they can choose a hybrid option, which is a little bit of both, um, which is that flex model. So um, I think that, you know, listening to parents and making sure that they have choices has been a really great thing, but it also opens up a lot of questions. So, you know, that's just been the hardest thing so far is answering their questions when we're still kind of developing how it's going to work. And the enrollment, you have no clue what your enrollment is right now, right? We have an idea and it's a lot. So a lot of kids are going to be starting online, which also poses um, the question of who's going to teach those online classes. So uh, there'll be teachers that will come off campus and start teaching online fully and some teachers that will stay in the buildings. So it'll be not only movement for the students, but movement for our staff as well. Yeah. And that's something I really want to focus on is making sure that that, that happens as smoothly as possible. Um, and that staff, you know, staffs, they need to be cared for too, because teaching is not for the weak at heart. It is very challenging and difficult. And I don't, I don't think people really realized how much teachers do until they had their kiddos home this spring and how much their school meant to them and to their family and the structure of how their days and their weeks and their months go. Um, so it's kind of been an eye opener for everybody and just really solidifies the knowledge and the idea that schools are so vital to our, to our nation really. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's the thing is teachers, our focus is social emotional this year for our students. And we have to be so guarded about our own social emotional because not only did we end the year 
very abruptly having to shift into uncharted territory. But then I, I know not many of us really had a summer of recharging on the same level that you normally would, you know, amidst COVID um, restrictions for travel and just the challenges that posed. And so to not be able to go into a school year that we already don't know what that looks like mm-hmm. without that kind of recharge more than ever, it's going to be so important for us to be just, you know, kind of guarding that part of us too, because we're, you know, it's like, reminds me of the airline thing, how they always say, you know, put your mask on first before you can do that for other people. But we're going to have to do that because we're going to, you know, it's going to be hard not to be depleted if you don't tend to yourself. So what was that like? So (laughs) you used to teach, what, what grade did you teach at first when you came into education? Well, I kind of have uh, a variety of experiences. My first teaching job was as a K-8 librarian. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. So I have (laughs) (laughs) a lot of uh, people don't know this, but I have a minor in library science from NAU and you could take that anywhere. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even carry the endorsement on my certificate anymore because it literally is not a job anymore. You know, unless you're a, at a public library, at a high school library, you just, it really doesn't exist. Unfortunately, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> so for two years, I took a 30 year old library and revamped the whole thing. It was a crazy experience as well, but fun. And um, then I taught middle school, middle uh, social studies for seventh and eighth graders. And then I kind of found my niche in fifth grade. So I taught fifth grade for eight years. And then, um, then I became an instructional coach for five years. And then I became an assistant principal. So um, quite the journey there. I tell you Mrs. what. O was, Mrs. O is smiling right now. I just know. hearing about that, that revamping the library. Yeah, I, it was, it, so it was 1996, it was quite a long time ago, um, and it was the old card catalog drawers, yes. so I had to completely automate the library, and it was the first time we'd gotten phones in that campus, so every teacher got a phone that summer, which before we'd only had the black buttons, you know, to call wow. the campus. and then um, the next year, the next summer, we got email addresses for the first time, so it was, it was a big couple years <laughs> technology wise yeah so has have you always like have you always used a lot of technology through your journey have you is that something you're pretty comfortable with yeah i mean in all of my positions whether it was as a librarian a, a classroom teacher or an instructional coach all throughout those years it was um i was really the tech person i was the go-to person for technology on all of the um, in, in all the roles that I served. So that's going to come in handy now. No, yeah. But a lot has changed, you know, like yes, it will continue. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, how will you find a balance with the emails? I can't imagine a K-12 school, how many emails you're going to, you're going to be getting a day, let <laughs> yeah, alone no kidding. district emails and teacher emails. How are you going to find that balance of handling all that email? That is a very good question, Rob. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading some blogs about managing email and not, you know, making sure it doesn't become the, the bane of your existence and that it's, it sucks up all your time. And I think uh, t- 
Tony Galetti taught me a lot about managing that. And you, you set dedicated time, kind of prioritize the emails and, you know, delete all the garbage. So that's going to be. He also is good about saying, please don't email me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe for my yeah. staff, I'll set up a, a different way, maybe a Slack or a Trello where we can just talk that way instead of on email. Yeah, because I know he's pretty, I, I know that that's just a huge issue to get buried. How does it feel to, so you've been fortunate enough to work side by side to principals now. Um, what kinds of things did you learn from, you know, from Paula and from Tony that you think you're going to kind of take with you? Well, I have several people that have really influenced me. Um, I guess I have to go back to my experience right before Paula, I was with a principal named Linda Priceberry. Mm -hmm. And she has been instrumental and been my mentor for about 14 years. And um, she's just been amazing. She allowed me to get tons of professional development. And she gave me very rich experiences that helped me to um, kind of hone my leadership skills, which prepared me for you know, the, the role of assistant principal. So, um, from Paula, she, she's definitely been a huge impact on me. She, uh, most people don't know, but I've known Paula for, we went to college together and we worked together when we were in college. So I've known her for over 20 years, probably 25 years. Wow. But yeah, I know it's crazy. So, um, Paula is just the sweetest, kindest, most loving person, um, but don't misjudge her because she's also tough too. Um, she has high expectations, but she she really is human with people, and I, I definitely learned that from her. Um, and she's she's so smart. All of the people I've worked with her are just so intelligent. And then um, Tony, you know, he really influenced the work life balance. I think as educators, we can spend so much. Um, time and dedicate so much of our time, personal time to teaching and to the field of education that he kind of helped me see that it's okay to turn it off at a certain time and spend time with your family. And I guess over the last two years, that has been really impactful. It doesn't mean that you're any less effective because I think actually you become more effective because you're so focused. Um, so that has been huge for me as well. And something yeah take forward to, you know, to others. Mm -hmm. I love that story. We're just, we're just peeling back the layers know, of Schubert here. I, I love all this coming <laughs> out here. Now, did you guys work together at Starbucks? Um, I worked with Paula at Best Western Worldwide Headquarters, which is now I'm sitting at Barry Goldwater High School. So I could walk to Best Western where Paula and I worked together. We used to work in the customer service department where we took complaints from all of the hotel guests from all over the world. Wow, I mean, That's I, I think that kind of groomed you for where you are today. I know, you know? really. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Yeah, I remember the first day, or the day that she got her first job at Mountain Ridge teaching Spanish. She was so excited, and I was so excited for her. So I was already teaching, but she was, I because I used to have to work two jobs in order to pay my bills. Hey. As a first year teacher, I only made, you know, $23,000 a year. So didn't really, for, you know, pay all the bills. So I had a second job and um, 
or maybe we got it the same. I can't remember. It was so long ago. It might've been the same time I got the job. I'm not sure. <laughs> that reminds me of Deb Moore last, yeah, last week on the pod when she talked about looking at her first salary and she was like, what'd you say? Is that, the is, first? It, is that for the first semester? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just uh, as tough, tough times. Yeah. Now, will the K-12 school have a physical space where you can get to meet with the teachers or teachers can teach like in a, a physical space or is this all they're going to teach from home? Like what is the, what is the landscape of this online school? Well, most of them will teach from home, but there are a few teachers. So um, the library at Barry Goldar has kind of been transformed into a, a lab with computers and smart board and all that stuff. Did you do that? Go ahead. Did you do that? No, that was our <laughs> <laughs> So don't, you know, this program's been around for since 2007. So really we're just expanding it. But um, upstairs, there's an upstairs in the library, both here at Goldwater and at Deer Valley High School, because it's the same building. But um, the they never put an elevator in. So really the upstairs has been kind of obsolete, not finished and not really used by students much because the fact that kids not all kids can get up there. So we have um, teachers up there that have stations and big computer screens and the headsets and all that fun stuff and they teach from up there. But um, most teachers this coming year that are going to be online teachers will probably work from home. So Now do you have an office? Like what's, what, are you in your office right now? I do, I have a little office. So it's just, it's funny because it's in the library. I'm really <laughs> you can't get away from library life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's been a, you know, they're repurposing lots of things and spaces to make room for the, you know, the new world that we're going to be living in next year. So. so are you working closely with principals, you know, or is this something like a separate entity? So like, who are your peers at this point? Like, who are you kind of, who's your PLC? It's going to be the other principals in the district. So I, we're going to work together to move kids back and forth between the physical school world and the virtual school world. So I'll be working with them. I also have a, um, Dr. Hirschberg is the director of Deer Valley Online Learning Program. So she, we'll be working really closely together and already have, but right now all the principals are off contract. Um, except for the high school principals. So I've met with them already a few times. Um, and it's, you know, it's been a lot because there's a lot to learn about high school and credits and, you know, singleton teachers that, you know, there's only one teacher in the whole district that teaches finance. So how are we going to move that class online so that kids can still take it? So we're still working through all of that, but I have a lot of meetings now all week, whereas you know, my days at Sierra Verde, I was able to walk the campus and, and interact with kids. And so I still want to do that, but my walking around is going to be a virtual thing. Mm -hmm. And um, just making sure that I'm connecting with kids and with the teachers that are teaching online. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. No, another challenge that just came to my head. How, how are you going to incorporate special ed minutes and kind of find that balance you know like uh, I just think of like one more difficult thing where we're going to online and you know giving students that support well we will have um, lots of kids with IEPs that go online and so we will be working 
to make sure that that is as smooth as we can because the IEP doesn't stop. If you go online, you still are working towards your IEP goals. So um, we were just talking about that the other day. And in fact, um, right now there's a bunch of um, curriculum designers or course builders is what we're calling them. And we were talking about how we're going to ensure that the, the special education teacher or service coordinator can collaborate with the general education teacher in a smooth way so that it's not confusing for our students and families. So um, we'll be, We'll be working through those details. It's probably, you know, nothing is ever perfect. You have these ideas and you try them just like you would in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, they may need some tweaking and some adjusting, but um, we'll be able to do it. We did a lot of um, teletherapy and um, service delivery with our special education students in the spring when we were forced to. And we want to make that even better for our students and make sure that their, their progress is continuing even with the IEP goals, or especially with their IEP goals. It's a tough challenge. I know, I know, you're going, I know you, you get it under control. Now, where are you getting the bulk of your students from? Is it in the K-8 side or is it the high school side? Um, well, it's been kind of balanced. So um, I think it's easier or high schoolers are more adaptable to go online. And of course, some of them really do better in that situation. So there is a big chunk of the kids that will be high schoolers. Um, but we also have, you know, lots of K-8 kids that will be going online too. I think it's just a matter of, you know, what their family situation is right now and what dictates whether they'll be in campus, on campus or online. Wow, just a lot going on. Now, what what do you think the staff and size for this K-12 school? Like, what, what's your envision? What do you think your, your staff could be? Well, the first um, survey that I got, it was about a 60% were going back online and 40% of our population wants to come online. Did I say that right? Um, so, that's a lot of teachers. So that's like a hundred teachers, maybe 200. I don't know. <laughs> I can't really think about it right now because it is very overwhelming. I have to think about it though. But um, yeah, that's where the connection with their campus principal is going to be so important because there's no way um, as one person that you can manage a staff that large. You know, if you think about a high school that has thousands of students, they have a team of of administrators and so my team is just it's not going to be necessarily they're all working for Deer Valley online learning program but they're going to be working at all of our other campuses so it's going to be a true um, display of collaboration and communication and working together to make sure that it's smooth for all of our kids you know you're in a unique position in the fact that you know for for Rob and I we're waiting to see if school gets pushed back, right? Start date, the official start date for in-person. Will it get extended beyond that August 17th? Now for you guys that are online, it's go, it's go time regardless, right? It may, it will um, perhaps affect your flex students maybe, but 
I mean, it's kind of a consistent thing. So it's nice in the fact that you know what it looks like. You just don't know how many are coming your way, right? And, and how to staff that, which is a totally different challenge than what the, um, what the principals are trying to kind of work out uh, that are in a physical, you know, brick and mortar kind of building. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just interesting, the different challenges that you guys are all facing. Um, hopefully there's a lot of support groups for you guys. <laughs> It's <laughs> just a lot, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't, the weird thing about education to me is, you know, it's, we're the face of so much and there's a lot of stuff that we just have to adapt to. We're not the decision makers. So it's like, you know, we don't know what's coming our way, but we know we'll adapt to it and we'll figure it out and we'll be able to make it awesome. But it, it's tough to be kind of the face in and have that not be something that people are thinking fondly of, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I'm sure for you an admin, I mean, that's just kind of the way of the way of your job is that's, you know, kind of goes hand in hand, but it's been tough for educators, I think, to kind of um, have that kind of muddled viewpoint of what we do and, and all that, you know. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes um, education bears the burden of blame, you know, for different things, but if you look over time, there's educators in our country have, are the best in the world. They have, they adapt. Um, we educate all students. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, we don't just set kids aside like some other countries do. Everybody gets to come to school. Everybody is learning and everybody has those opportunities. And, you know, there's, there's not many countries that do that as well as we do. And I think that, that we need, and I've seen over my, the course of my um, career that we've gotten better at advocating for ourselves, but we're all human. So, um, you know, there's, there's no roadmap for living through this pandemic. And I think that people, all people in our country and in our world are facing that gray, unknown uncertainty that we're, nobody's really used to. And we just all have to understand that we have different challenges and different needs for our families to keep everybody safe and healthy. And I think everybody's kind of scared right now and wondering what's going to happen or how everything's going to work. But um, I don't have any doubt in my mind that we will get through this and we're going to become so much better for it. And you know, I really am a huge believer in the power of grit and making sure that um, you know, you can reach down deep and pull on those things that you've experienced in your life that have made you the person that you are. And overcoming hard challenges is, is just such an awesome learning experience, you know, and we're going to fail. And that's when we learn the most. And we're going to be successful at other times. And that's when we need to celebrate. Yeah. Now, will, the, will you be used in Canvas K-12 or will teachers be using Google Classroom? What, what's going to be the learning platform? Well, one of the things that we want to, that we heard our parents share with us and that I, as an administrator, agree with is that we had too many ways that kids were interacting with their teachers. So some kids were using Canvas while another one of their children was using Google Classroom. And then, you know, it just got confusing because... We want to make it simple and the least amount of clicks, especially for our little guys, you know, because when you're six and five, five and six years old, it's really hard to navigate when you have to click 15 times to get to what you're supposed to be doing. 
So we really want to streamline our communication. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by um, unifying our learning management system, our platform. And so we will be using Canvas K-12 for the Flex students and the Deer Valley Online Learning, uh, Online Academy, excuse me. And right now, like I said a little bit ago, we have course builders that are building shells. So um, all teachers will have a shell to build off of. So once we, you know, we want things organized and easy to use so that, you know, if you're a family of, with four kids and you've got a you know, range of learners at different ages, um, that they can learn to be independent, of course, but also their, their older sibling might be able to help them if they're younger because they also are using Canvas and they understand how it operates. Mm, that's a good point. So it's really important for us to be on one platform. Looks like you get it all figured out. You know, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I have no Piece worries. Piece of cake, Shelly. Piece of cake. I don't know about that, but we're definitely... These are the things like, I know this has probably been like the thing that's been the most important to you taking on this job. Will you have a mascot for your school? This is what I we need We will to not because, well, the Deer Valley Online Academy is going to have a mascot and it's a hummingbird. Oh. The, the flex model, we, you know, the whole goal is to get kids back on campus in their brick and mortar class. And I don't want to, them to feel like they're going to stay here because this is just kind of a way for us to get through this pandemic and it's, it's temporary. Mm -hmm. so we're not gonna have a mascot or anything like that because the goal is to keep them connected to their home campus because that is where they belong and that is where the most effective learning happens. And um, that's our number one goal is to make sure that they're, they're back with their teachers. But, but you have a hummingbird, okay, that's-, that's well, <laughs> For your other school, for like the online. Yeah, for the other side, yes. For the kids that are are picking online all year, their their new mascot is a hummingbird. It is adorable, I have to say. It is super cute. Yeah, and I don't like birds, but I like hummingbirds. They're pretty cool. Same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> well, it's been an honor to sit down with you. Yes. We, we, we've been blessed to work with you the past three years. You've pushed us to grow. You've challenged us. You've made us laugh. And we know that you're gonna to rise to the challenge in these uncertain times. Yeah, we're gonna miss you. I hope that there's still plans. I mean, since there's not a physical building, I don't think it would be a conflict of interest for you to come back and do the play when the plays are back together, you know? I mean, you, you made a great cop and, you know, like I just think uh, there's things that, you know, maybe you'll have a competing softball team or something like that, but we're very, very proud of you and super, super excited for this oh, thank part you. of your journey and we're excited to see how you grow and, and expand this because honestly you know the sky's the limit you can make it anything that you that you know that's it it could be anything and I know it'll be amazing no matter what it is thank you both so much and I've learned so much from both of you over the last three years and I know that this is not I mean yes I won't be able to see you every single day but I know that you're just a text or a phone call away so I'm you know Hashtag truth. Yeah, is going to continue because I'm going to, I may need you. I may need to call you up and say, hey, how do I do this? And you're going to be, I know, right there to help me. And I Yeah, don't hesitate. Do not hesitate for sure. Well, we're excited. We're all going to be on this journey together and, uh, you know, see where this takes us. Yeah. As we say, people, 
If he can be anything in the world, be kind. Now, if you loved hearing about Mrs. Schubert's teacher lunch dates to McDonald's, her experience as a barista, and working with Dr. Chunis at Best Western, taking all of your hotel complaints, <laughs> make sure you hit the subscribe button. Every Tuesday, the latest episode, The Nailed It Wall, will be downloaded to your phone. And if you're on Twitter like us, make sure you follow us. You can find me at Mr. Lane, the STEM guy. And me at a positive proton. And me at Schubert underscore Shelley.